This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is August 22nd, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Shelly Griffin. I was at Hofstra Radio from 1984 to 1988. Okay. And what shows or programs did you work on at, at the station? I worked on uh, the Irish show on the weekends. I worked on uh, my show, which was a new age show. Um, sometimes worked on the classical show as well. Okay. Did you have any titles or positions at the station? Yeah, I was the chief announcer my senior year. Okay, very good. Uh, when you were on the air, did you use your own name? Did you have any nicknames or aliases? No, actually, I went by Shelley Griffin. It seemed like a pretty good radio name, so just stuck with it. All right, nice and easy. It sounds pretty good. I like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so this is a two-part question, and answer it however it makes sense to you. But I'm always curious what is what it is that brings people to the radio station, and then if you could describe what the station was like when you got there, if not the first time, maybe the just where it was, people that you met, what was going on at the station when you first arrived. Yeah, I, um, it was uh, freshman orientation and all of the different clubs and organizations were out looking for people, um, just happened to come upon the WRHU table and talked to a few people there and thought it sounded really intriguing and wanted to kind of find something to get involved with. I was excited to um, really kind of find myself when I got to college and uh, loved the people that I chatted with. And so was eager to see more and, and learn more about what the opportunities were. Okay. Uh, do you remember any of the people that you met there? And where was the uh, the setup, if you remember, on campus? Uh, the setup was right around near um, the Hofstra building, the the main older house, whatever it was called. Oh, I right, right, right by the library, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, Hofstra Hall, I think it is. Hofstra yeah. Hall, yes. Where all the Thank tulips are. Where are the tulips were? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, I don't remember any specific people that day. Um, gosh, this is awful that I don't remember who was there, but um, I, I know they were upperclassmen at that time. Okay. And were they playing music or handing out flyers? What was going on that attracted you? Uh, mostly um, just talking to people, handing out flyers. They were kind of grabbing people as they went by. And um, I hadn't seen anything up to that point that I really wanted to get involved with. Okay. Now, before coming to Hofstra, were you thinking about radio? Were you thinking about communications? Did you know anything about the radio station at all? I didn't know anything about um, the radio station at Hofstra. I had wanted to get into recording engineering. That was my what my original thought was when going to college. It was going to be that and then possibly law school afterwards. Um, but I, uh, I, so the fact that the station, I uh, was all student run, um, and I, I did want to learn recording engineering. So it seemed like a great place to kind of maybe dabble in that a little bit. Okay. Very good. Now, now, do you remember getting down to the station? Like after that first meeting, do you remember yeah. going to the <laughs> office? Do you remember going to the studios? What do you remember about that? Yeah, I was down in the dungeon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I came from a very kind of preppy high school in Connecticut and um, college in and of itself was just kind of this magical world that I was looking forward to getting away from what had been my kind of status quo. So was really, um, 
I don't know. I, it, it seemed all, even though it was in the dungeon and it was dark and kind of dank and musty. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's still, you know, there was music everywhere. I wanted to be in the music industry in some form or fashion. And um, I was just intrigued and everybody was just really nice and inviting. So when you say the dungeon, was this when the station was still at the basement of the little theater? Uh, were we in the basement? No, we were in the basement of another hall. Okay. So the I know that the office had been in Memorial Hall up on the second mm-hmm. floor. And then I know at some point they moved the station to the basement of Memorial Hall as well. Yeah. We were all in the basement of Memorial Hall. Okay. Um, so yeah, from what I understand, that was somewhat of a, of a temporary studio before the, the other was, was built. Uh, I think the TV production facilities were in the basement as well. Does that ring a bell? Yes. Everything was in the basement. Okay. So, so you go down there and it's certainly not glamorous. It's certainly (laughs) probably not super high tech, or at least maybe not what you were expecting. Well, let me, let me double back and ask this because this I thought of. So if you're interested in being a recording engineer or studying that. Did you have any uh, idea of what a radio station would look like? Did you have any familiarity with with studios in general and the type of equipment that goes into that? I had been in some studios. Um, Oddly enough, I had lived in Sweden when I was a teenager and I went to the international school and actually uh, we sang with ABBA on their Vulivu album, and we, re- we so we recorded with them, and then we performed with them. So I actually had been in a recording studio, um, it, and I was more excited at that particular time that Led Zeppelin had also recorded physical graffiti in those studios than I was about being with ABBA. But um, it was a great experience, um, kind of seeing the little bit of the magic happen, even if it was ABBA, not my favorite recording artist. Well, 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 no, same here. But wow, that's that's very cool. And and it so was this was very cool. This was something associated with your high school, is that right? Uh, I was in uh, middle school uh, at the International School of Stockholm, and um, we had recorded an album of Christmas songs. And Abba was looking for a choir to do the voice, um, the background of uh, "I Have a Dream." And so we recorded with them. We're on the album. And with them, we also sang in concert with them in Göteborg and in Stockholm. Well, that's, that's fairly impressive. That's, that is, that is a nice uh, introduction. Although again, Ab is not my favorite, but it's a pretty cool introduction to, to, to get you interested in that, in that aspect of the business. Where did you continue singing? Otherwise, were you doing other things like that? Yeah, I've always been, I was playing guitar and singing, um, always been a little, you know, kind of that folk singer in the background. Um, you know, at one point in my life, I wanted to be the best electric guitar player. Um, but, you know, short fingers doesn't really get you there. But uh, always sang, sang at college uh, some, a couple times, coffee and coffee and donuts nights, and um, also very involved with the theater um, at Hofstra. Cause I, that's what my bachelor's degree actually ended up being. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. That's, that's very cool. Um, okay. So the, the basement it's there, it's dank, it's weird, it's dark, but it's, it, it still, you keep coming back. Do you remember, was there, were there training classes? Was there some sort of introduction to how to be on the radio or mm-hmm. did you just sort of have to absorb it? 
Yeah, they had uh, little introduction classes and get us used to uh, some of the things that we would have to be doing. Um, we'd kind of work our way, you know, starting with uh, the class. Everybody had to work on the classical um, hours. And <clears throat> we had some classes from the current chief announcer at that time. And and then I just started feeling like I was really hanging out there almost 24 hours a day mm-hmm. when I wasn't in class to just absorb and watch and learn. Um, do you remember who the chief announcer was or anybody from your class? I don't remember the chief announcer, but in my class, um, you know, made lifelong friends uh, with Tony Sibilla and Jeff Raspi and uh, Stu Rushfield, hung out with them, um, Rich Radabelli, we, you know, all of us. Wow. Um, that's that's quite a collection of talent there. And and you guys just all got along right away? Oh, yeah. It was, it was like we... You know, sometimes you feel like you just finally find your people. <laughs> That's right. what I felt like I had found at the radio station. I felt like I had finally found my people. Well, it's, that's that's quite an interesting uh, collection of, of characters there. I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of stories to follow that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay. okay, so so you're learning about announcing. I assume they're teaching you how to run the board and how to do mm-hmm. the technology as well? Yep, yep. And uh then, then I started also signing up for any of the radio classes I could. There wasn't enough to have a degree uh, only in radio. I had no desire to do television whatsoever. So I didn't do a communications degree, but um, every every class that they offered at the radio station I took. Okay. So, um, I mean, depending on, on the years, there were different classes, but there's probably a basic radio production class and I guess what yes. would eventually become like the two-track studio. Yes. Do you remember exactly. who taught that? Was that Jeff Krause? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that was Krause. And and what was your introduction to Jeff Krause like? Uh, see, initially I would say I was absolutely terrified of him. <laughs> that sounds correct. <laughs> As that most people were, but I ended up uh, having just such incredible amount of respect for him and really felt like that was the first mentor that I ever had in my life was Krause. Hmm. Hmm. I, I want to get back to that, but I want to I want to ask you now if you remember, if not the exact first time that you got on the air, uh, do you remember getting on the air in in your early days, and what did that feel like? Were you excited? Were you nervous? What what was going on in your mind? I was uh, yes, I do remember first getting on the air. It was a classical show. I was uh, terrified. I wrote everything down so I wouldn't uh, get messed up. So, uh, and I continued that even in my radio career afterwards. I always had uh, notes and flashcards to remember what it was that I was going to say when I got on the air. Um, And one of the very first times that I got in trouble for a mispronunciation, mispronunciation, excuse me, uh, was from Krauss when I was on the air um, doing one of the classical shows. Okay. I dare, dare I ask what the mispronunciation was or, or at the very least what that phone call was like? Oh, it was very, very memorable. I had uh, just announced that it was Verdi's Ada and immediately the phone rang. I answered it and he said, Ms. Griffin, it's pronounced Aida. Please make a note of it. Click. <laughs> <laughs> no introduction, no how do you do, but you no. knew who it was. I knew exactly who it was. I knew it almost the minute that the phone started ringing that it was Krauss. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who knew him, 
you can hear him say it uh, in in his voice. You can hear those the, the, that phrase. It's pronounced this way, and and oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Yeah. So so so, did, were you able to recover from that and finish the rest of the shift? You were you were willing to go on with it. I was I was uh, mortified, as you can imagine, um, but uh, bound and determined to get it right and make sure that I didn't make that kind of mistake again. Okay. Um, was there a point in time where uh, beyond that, beyond dreading the phone call from Jeff Krause, was was there a time where you felt comfortable on the air where you realized, yeah, I can do this. I'm good at this and I want to keep doing it. Yes. Yeah. After that first year, um, I really started wanting to, to be better. And so, you know, recording everything that you're doing, listening to yourself, you know, reviewing, reviewing your logs and then making changes as you go along. And I'd say it took me about, I don't know, maybe six months, eight months. And I really started feeling like this is it. This is what I want to do. Hmm. Um, so when you first started, were, was that the time there were still staff announcers, people who read the public service announcements and news? Mm-hmm. Was that what you started with? Yep. Yep. Sure did. Okay. And then at some point you start taking over, you said you mentioned a new age show and other shows. You start branching out a little bit after that, that first six or eight months, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Started taking on the new age stuff. Um, not a lot of people wanted to do it, but it seemed to be pretty popular on Thursday. I think it was Thursday nights that I did the new age show. So was that just an opportunity to be on the air more? Is that something that you, you learned to enjoy over time? Or yeah. Was it- yeah. I did learn to enjoy the music. Um, it, it was more my style than the jazz show. And so um, I really started to enjoy it, appreciate the music, appreciate the, um, the artists and their talent. And so I really did get into it and kept listening to it for many years afterwards. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, quite a number of people earlier that were in your announcing class, Tony Sibilla and Jeff Raspi uh, yep. and folks like that. Who else was around when you were first getting started that helped you feel comfortable? Were there any upperclassmen that you remember or anybody else? Not an upperclassman. It really did seem like it was our group that we, it's like we were kind of all linked in arms together, you know, kind of learning and, and growing and getting to know all of this. Um, and, um, our program director at that time, um, uh, Vic Bilsick would be the other one that was kind of, especially Tony and Stu and Vic and Jeff. Um, those were the guys that I leaned on. Those are the guys I hung out with. Those are the guys that I learned from. And we just became this big family of friends. That's fantastic. So I, I guess that uh, you kind of mentioned this before, not only are you there doing your classic shift or the new age shift, but you're there in the office and hanging around the studios. Was mm-hmm. that something that, that happened right away that you felt very comfortable? Yes. I felt really comfortable, more comfortable there than in the theater, to be honest. Um, but you were kind of splitting time between the theater and the radio station and, and some other interests. Yes. Yeah. Was there a moment where you realized, no, I'm I'm going to spend a lot more time here than the other places, or was it just that that just sort of happened from the announcing class on? Yeah, just it really sort of happened from that point on. Um, I took a little break from a lot of activities my junior year just to kind of give myself a little bit of a breather. As we all know, junior year is the toughest one, um, but 
the radio station was always there for me. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I wanted to go back to, uh, you know, interactions with, with Jeff and, um, that sort of intimidating presence. And, and most people say that once, once you get to know the guy a little bit, or you have some direct interactions, you can see that he's a teacher, he's a mentor. And you alluded to that as well. Yeah. Do you remember any point where you thought, okay, I, I can talk to this guy or he's maybe not quite as scary as I thought he, he was. Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, I, I felt like I, I was able to kind of break through a little bit, um, probably by my sophomore year. And I, I really appreciated what he brought to the table. I had a lot of respect that he was really honest with the entire class um, about what our prospects were like or would be like um, if we actually chose radio as a profession or any kind of, uh, you know, in that industry. And then, um, uh, you know, you you kind of would catch the the nice part of him every once in a while. And you're like, oh, it's just kind of a you know, his outside armor, you know. Um, and by my, the time senior year, I felt like he was more of a, uh, not just a mentor and a teacher, but a friend. And that was what I re- really appreciated and what I missed very much after he was gone. Yeah. Um, in getting through that exterior, uh, again, a lot of it is is he's trying to prepare you for the possibility of a radio career or, or for many of us not and saying, mm-hmm. you know, maybe do this, try something else or your strength lies here. Do you remember like what, what sort of picture he painted of, of the radio industry? Because I, I, I mean, you can ask throughout the generations, most people go, yeah, it's tough to get a job in radio. What was he mm-hmm. telling you at that point when you were still relatively new at the station? Yeah, that it was going to be extremely tough to, to get a job. I wasn't going to make any money. I was going to be poor. Um, and if I was going to do it, I better do it because I loved it. Wow. And and did you believe him? I did. <laughs> Wholeheartedly, actually. Um, and I took his, you know, I, I took even looking for a job in radio as a job. I, I approached it as a job. I was, um, you know, I was bound and determined to find a, find a job professionally. But he always stayed in the back of my mind. So I, I went into it with eyes wide open. Hmm. Um, do you remember any advice he gave you as you were sort of thinking about going into radio as a career? Or was it or is it just the lessons accumulated over time? Yeah, it was mostly the lessons and the fact that I would not make any money. That was like the big Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the big one. <laughs> you know you're not going to make any money at this. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, was there a point where you stopped? Where, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say stop, but um, did you continue working on the the recording side of things? That had been your initial interest. Were you were you doing other things on campus? You said you stepped back a little bit. Uh, was there a, a a push more towards radio, or were you still trying to balance other interests? Um, I mean, my push was to radio. I wanted that to be my profession, but um, I did have to spend a lot of time at the theater to be able to finish my degree. They had certain requirements with regards to tech hours and things like that, that you had to do every semester. Um, so, you know, make sure I fulfill and I was, I wanted to get my degree done. Okay. Um, I, I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't ask this, cause when, when you gave that, that murderer's row of a uh, list of names before it was Stu and Jeff and, and Tony and Rich, what was there, 
there there must have been shenanigans. There must have been things going on that you guys as as the new group at the station were, you know, pushing the envelope of what you could get away with as new people. I think a lot of us get comfortable at the station pretty quickly and then we realize, oh wait a minute. There's there's a professional level radio station going on here and maybe we've we've pushed it too far. Do you remember anything <laughs> like that? You know, I honestly, I know they did a lot of things. Um, I was always, and my whole family would tell you this too, I've always been kind of the good girl um, that, you know, never wanted to get into trouble and things like that. So sometimes I think I was a little bit on the outside of all of their shenanigans um, when it came to different music that they might try to throw in, um, you know, different things like that. I just remember so much laughter and just so much of camaraderie and everybody being in sync as to what we wanted to accomplish there. Oh, that's great. Um, we have the benefit of hindsight. You have these friendships, you have these experiences, you, you really get involved in the radio station and, and we can look back on this, but um, I'm going to ask you, and you kind of answered this before, but if you could go back to your, you know, your mindset as an 18 year old is, is starting at the station and, and going to the basement and making these first connections. What did you hope Hofstra radio would mean for you and what did it become? I really hoped that it would give me kind of that insider's view as to what it would be like to do. Cause I did want to learn and I spent a lot of time trying to learn more on the recording side of it. So two track recording and four track recording and, I loved it. I loved editing. I loved, you know, just literally everything about it. And so I wanted it to show me that I wanted to meet, you know, as I said, kind of my people. Um, and, and, you know, when you finally leave your parents, um, kind of control and influence, it's that opportunity then to find the people that kind of fit more with your personality, what you want to accomplish in life. And that, that's what I found. I had so much, I was always amazed at like the guys that could do the sports announcing and they could just do color commentary at like, where are they getting all this stuff? It's like mm-hmm. their brains was just full of things, but I was that way with music. Um, so, you know, the trivia and information about different recording artists, I love learning about it. And I love that we just wanted to put out really good product as it relates to radio, you know, and from every angle, I loved working on the Irish show on the weekends, you know, um, Tony was <laughs> hysterical. Um, not Tony Sibilla, Tony, the, the guy, Tony, that Jackson. Hosted, Tony yeah. Jackson. Yeah. He would, <laughs> he would come in and hit me upside the head with an album. If he thought I played the wrong cut. Um, but he was great. You know, it was, it was something that I looked forward to every weekend. I looked forward to every minute that I was at the station on the air and just doing anything. I loved when we did some, you know, some radio plays and being involved with that. And I thought that was the greatest combination of what I loved about being on the air as well as the theater. So it it was, that's what I was hoping to find. And I don't think I truly expected to love being at the radio station as much as I did. I think that was a big surprise. I knew I wanted to, and I wanted to learn, but I didn't expect it to have such a deep meaning for me. Mm, that's 
Fantastic. I, I love hearing that. Um, and as you were talking there, it, it, it jogged my, my brain and I can't believe I didn't ask this earlier, but, um, you know, production was, was part of what you're interested in. What were the production mm-hmm. studios? Like there was a two track and a four track studio. Is that right? Yes, there was. And, um, you know, <laughs> I was talking about this the other day that we always said, you know, however late you were working in the studio, Whoever was there, they kept turning the monitors up louder and louder and louder. And so <laughs> the person the next morning usually was blasted out um, because the monitors were turned back down. But I loved learning that. I loved learning about the the whole process of recording. And um, I can remember a very long debate that all of us had when the first, uh, when Twin Peaks came out oh, and man. there was the dwarf and we had a very long debate about how they did the recording and the voice for the dwarf i don't think we ever came to a resolution on that debate but i do remember that and it it, it was those kind of things that you just really enjoyed about learning the you know that part of it the studios were um you know i of course i thought they were magical you know i you know people probably look back on it now because everything's digital but i liked the physicality also of the recording of cutting tape and editing. Um, I, 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 if I could get a reel to reel right now in my house, I'd have one. Hmm. Yeah. There, there is something uh, different and magical about the, the physical tape. And then I guess as you're learning to do multi-track recording too, there's a science, there's a creativity to that mm-hmm. as well. That must've been very interesting. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Doing the final project for the four-track class was great. You know, it was creative. It was technical. It was, uh, you know, a little bit of everything. And I, I absolutely, you know, loved it. I loved putting together the whole project. Well, Shelly, this was fantastic. I'm grinning ear to ear the whole time. This has been a <laughs> lot of fun. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your stories and your time. And uh, I'm going to come up with some more questions and hopefully you've got some more stories to share. I would love to. Thank you so much, Brian. This has been great. Um, I, I miss and I wish I was closer to New York to come visit the, the, the studios. And I know they've changed quite a bit since then. Yeah. And I find myself calling it the, the, the new building. Uh, cause when I was there, when I left in 1994, it was new and it's, it's clearly not, but it's, it's very impressive. It's, it's, it's very interesting place. Oh, I'd love to. Well, thank you so much. This really has been great.